Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky. I am your host, and I am joined again by my co-host, Anna. I think this might be a record for how many times we've been on the podcast. Anna hasn't been off in the mountains of Wyoming uh, on a... Yoda, I don't know, meditation <laughs> retreat. I don't I don't know what she does out there. You get into too much trouble when I'm not here. I just can't leave anymore. Uh this is uh the day after. Well, we're 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 celebrating the Epiphany today at church. We are. Epiphany is always on January 6th. It's a day we commemorate the wise ones arriving to honor Jesus. And why do I always say wise ones? Well, language does funny things and means different things. We really don't know how many how many people arrived to honor Jesus? We know that there were three gifts, um, and magi, kings, sages, that word has been interpreted in many different ways across the centuries. But what we do know is that it is highly unlikely that three individuals would make such a long journey by themselves. That would not be safe, nor would it be practical. It, it would have been, you would have had a much larger gathering. So, so we kind of say wise ones just to be as inclusive as possible, because we don't really know. I like the I like that magi word. Magi, yes, the magi. yes, it's a great one. But uh, I mean, it's you go and you look and you think, "Why?" I always learn we three kings, and yet the scripture talks about three gifts, not three kings. Okay, well, that's happening. Uh, if you're listening to this right away, yesterday, and then coming up on Sunday is uh, Patrick Ryan, our associate pastor, his installation. Ooh, yeah, it's a big day. Two worship services, 8.30 and 11. The Reverend John McKinnon is preaching at both. He is a former associate pastor here, now a senior pastor, head of staff in Oklahoma. Um, he and Patrick have known each other for a long time, so he's coming back. 8.30, sort of your normal worship service. At 11, not only are we installing the, Pat um, the Reverend Patrick Ryan, I was about to just call him the Patrick Ryan, but the Reverend Patrick Ryan, we're also ordaining and installing our elders in the class of 2026. Um, I've never done this before, but when Patrick suggested it, I think it's really lovely because most of the questions that we will ask Patrick are the same questions we ask of our elders. And to do that together really talks about how um, everyone is a minister of the church. So it's going to be a really amazing day. And it'll be very busy. So I think instead of our regular pod together, I'm going to give uh, a little intro and then I'll, I'll add some parts from the installation, maybe do a play-by-play -play of, you know, the stoles or... <laughs> Who has what stole? Yeah. And I will add, well, sorry, um, are you done with that? Because yeah, we can also yeah. talk about what's happening on Wednesday here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, big thing on Wednesday. What's that? Notre Dame Liturgical Choir. That's next level. That That is next level. Um, they are here Wednesday evening at 7. We're getting gift bags ready for each of the members of the choir. They're going to be having supper here and then doing a concert. It's free of charge, open to everybody in the community. Um, you aren't going to want to miss it. And this is because Dan, our, our organist, um, yes. Daniel Sansone, he's friends with uh, someone from there. Yes, and he went to Notre Dame, and he's friends with the director there. So this is um, this is why they're going to be here, and it's it's part of their winter tour, and we're really excited. What a guy. I was thinking about him. I, I, I drove down to Florida this week and came back. I had a lot of thinking time, and I thought about him, and I thought, you know, he did say there is a transcription of Claire de Lune by Debussy that he could play on the organ. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I just like to bring that up again in the pod yes, and just yeah. say he, he plays a lot of Bach. Yes, you know? he does. And the prelude to worship today is um, seven minutes long. Um, it is phenomenal. I mean, he told us it was going to be that long so we could make sure we had all the other parts of the service in the right places. Um, 
But knowing that it was going to be a longer prelude, I could just sit there and really be present for it. And it was without thinking about the next thing, which well, I should yeah, not be you, doing anyway. If you're a regular listener, please email him um, through the website <laughs> and just ask about that Debussy. Um, you know, that's a prelude technically, too, I believe, Claire de Lune. Oh. <laughs> um, so he could add that anytime, really. Anytime. anytime. Yeah. Why don't we let him get past this week before we, we add things to him? I, and I've played that piece on piano, and I was just thinking about it on the organ. Like, it's going to be nuts. I don't know what's going to happen. He's well, it's and lot. it's so much fun seeing him. Notes. But also, I just closed my eyes and listened and worshiped through the music today. It was wonderful. Excellent. All right. Well, everyone, uh, we hope you're having a great 2024. Uh, my New Year's resolution was to not eat at chain restaurants all but once a month. Okay. So I guess I'm going to be giving more dollars to local restaurants, businesses. Uh, we have a lot of those that are delicious. So uh, that's what I'm going for. Um, but we hope you have a uh, great week, and we'll we'll talk to you next week at the installation. I'm looking forward to it. Let us pray. Almighty God. As the star led the Magi, may your light shine upon the word we are about to hear. May your light shine on the word that we would hear your word, your wisdom, your truth. And hearing it, may we be transformed. We ask it in your name. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Isaiah, the 60th chapter, the first six verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nation shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. Because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you, a multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba will come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a poem that has been circulating in my mind throughout the entire Advent and Christmas season. It's entitled The Song of the Shepherds by Richard Baucom. We were familiar with the night. We knew its favorite colors, its sullen silence, and its small disturbing sounds, its unprovoked rages, its savage dreams. We slept by turns, attentive to the flock. We said little. Night after night, there was little to say. But sometimes one of us, skilled in that way, would pipe a tune of how things were for us. They say that once, almost before time, the stars with shining voices serenaded the new 
born world. The night could not contain their boundless praise. We thought that just a poem. Until the night, a song of solar glory, unutterable, unearthly, eclipsed the luminaries of the night, as though the world were exercised of dark, and coming to itself, began again. Later, we returned to the flock. The night was ominously black. The stars were as silent as the sheep. Nights pass, year on year. We clutch our meager cloaks against the cold. Our aging piper's fingers fumbly play, night after night, an earthly echo of the song that banished the dark. It has stayed with us. It has stayed with us. That one line reminding us that you cannot leave an encounter with the divine without being changed or affected or transformed in some way. And that is the message of Epiphany. This day when we remember that people came, that wise ones, magi, kings, astrologers, sages, a group came and they traveled a long distance to honor Jesus. The message of Epiphany that reminds us that there is no faithful commemoration of this day without also anticipating what God has yet to do. There is no faithful commemoration without anticipation what God is not done. There are still new epiphanies. There are new revelations to come. This is the message that radiates throughout our epiphany texts, the Matthew text that was our call to worship, reminding us of the joy the joy they experienced when the star led them to Jesus, and that they returned home by another way. And Isaiah, the precursor to what we hear in Matthew, these texts are linked. Now, the Isaiah text stands on its own. It has its own meaning. It also has meaning as we understand it in terms of our Lord. Callie Plunkett Bruton tells us that the original recipients of this prophetic text were Jews living in Judah, which is now a Persian province. It was a period after the Babylonian exile, and the people were living in reduced circumstances. It was rubble. It was rubble all around them, and the visions of their historical Zion seemed so far away. So far away, both emotionally and physically. And these poems, these poems to the Zion that could be, that appear here in this section of Isaiah, isn't just about making people feel better. It isn't just about comfort. And it isn't just about some imaginary theology for theology's sake. It is saying there is a real vision of what Zion can be. And you can help create it. This passage from Isaiah is inviting people to be a part of it. It isn't a news report. It is an invitation. An invitation to build something. That there is something ahead. There can be no commemoration of what has been without also anticipation of what is to come. We can look back. 
But to be faithful, we must be moving forward while we do that. Now, if that seems a little confusing, how we can look backwards and move forward at the same time, well, I place before you one of the characters in the classic movie Cars, Mater, the tow truck. How does he drive? He drives backwards. He says, I don't need to know where I'm going. I just need to know where I've been as he quickly moves forward to do what he needs to do. We need Isaiah to understand Matthew, and we need both of them to understand where we are. Where we are in a world where peace has not replaced war, and yet we do not give up. We continue to work for peace. In this world where people still go to bed hungry, and yet we do not stop. We continue to work to make sure all are fed. In this world where there are church buildings, we look back and remember our history the whole time moving forward, knowing that this is not a museum. This is a place where good news lives, where hope abides. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing about First Presbyterian Church's foundation, which is established to do just that, to make sure not that this building always stands, but that this is always a place where good news lives and hope abides. That is true here. It's also true in your own lives, isn't it? No two years are ever the same. We move forward changed and affected by all that we experience. And at the same time, we continue to live into the image that God knit within us that has been there the whole time. We are changed by all that has been, and yet we are always returning to the image of God we have been given. None of us can encounter the divine without leaving changed or transformed. And we truly commemorate Epiphany when we anticipate our own epiphanies that are yet to be. What the stars still have to teach us. As Anne Weems says, it is not over this birthing. There are always newer skies into which God can throw stars. There are always newer skies into which God can throw stars. Today, as we did last year, you will be invited to choose a star word. It's a little card with a word on it. Last year, these went through the sanctuary. Today, they will as well. There are baskets in the balconies that will go through. You will pass them through. There's a little more about the star words in the bulletin if you'd like to know more. But a star word is a guide. It is a word that can challenge you or comfort you. You choose it to accompany you throughout the year to see what epiphanies might still be out there. If you find a word that simply does not resonate with you and in fact may be discordant to you, you can put it back and choose another one. That's fine. If that happens five or six times, it might say more about you than it does the word. But you don't have to go with the first word you choose. My word for this year is align. Last year, my word was beloved. 
I thought at the beginning when I selected it, this word was going to teach me about my own belovedness. Instead, I've had lesson after lesson this year on how I can love other people well in the ways that they need, both within and beyond my own understanding. I know someone who selected compassion. They thought it would teach them to show more compassion. Instead, they had to learn how to receive compassion. Announcement was someone's word. It led to the acceptance of a leadership role that this person thought they would decline, in fact, had already declined. But their star word led them to think that maybe God had something else in store indeed. And God did. I know someone who selected the word curious, thinking this was finally their year when they would get to indulge their own curiosity, and instead found it completely transformed their parenting, for it was about how they could encourage and celebrate their children's curiosity. We commemorate Epiphany when we anticipate the epiphanies God still has in store that God still has something to teach us, the stars still have things to teach us. For example, that the night can teach us, that the darkness that precedes the dawn gives us sleep and rest and recuperation. We see things in the night sky that we cannot see during the day. And ultimately, knowing that Epiphany isn't about the star that was followed to Jesus, It's about the stars that we watch for, the stars that are already overhead, waiting to be observed. And all of us are asked, where are you and what stars are ahead of you? Yes, this journey changes all of us, but we need not be afraid. For remember, stars are a part of our very being. If poets and scientists have taught us anything, it's that we are made of stardust. Didn't Joni Mitchell sing it? If we have known anything, stars are not distant, otherworldly things, their dust, stardust, is the very stuff that makes up the building blocks. We are stardust. We are golden. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden, she sang. We get there not by going backwards, but by going forwards. The stars that are ahead of us. We are made of stardust. We need not be afraid of this journey, even though it will change us, because God placed this within us. And so we can follow the stars, the stars we know and the stars we have yet to see with our minds and our hearts and our lives, commemorating epiphany by anticipating what is ahead. So let us embrace the stars and see what they have to teach. Alleluia. Amen. Yes, there are stars behind us, and there are stars before us. So let us go from this place with the joy of the God of all creation, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.